I want this morning to set this portion of God's Word before you, in particular chapter 14, verse 11, and then chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. So those are essentially my texts this morning, and I've entitled the message, Crying and Relying. Crying, you'll find those words in those portions we've alluded to, crying and relying. Second Chronicles 14 introduces us to Asa, in the main a good and godly king of Judah, who enjoyed a long and primarily peaceful reign. Notice the times that God gave them rest, ten years and so on. And uh, he was a king who aimed at pleasing God. You won't hit the target if you don't aim for it. And Asa aimed at pleasing God. And he saw consequently God's eye upon him. Chapter 16 and the verse number 8 and 9. So he was a man who sought to please God. He aimed at the Lord his God. The favor of God is worthy to be sought for with our whole heart. And I would encourage you to make that your whole heart's desire as we come into this new year. Though we cannot serve the Lord with a sinlessly perfect heart, he's looking for a heart that is upright. We read of that there in 2 Corinthians, or rather Chronicles chapter 16. A heart that is upright and sincere. And sincerity is of great price in the sight of God. Now, there may be many things we can't do, but we can all be sincere. And that's what God is looking for, an upright, sincere heart. How many times have you said to an individual, they're sincere? That causes us to, to marvel. They're sincere. And this is something that God is looking for. And may he find this sincere heart in my heart and in yours. Isa began his reign. This would be a good way to start the new year, spiritually. Asa began his reign by seeking to root out idolatry. Verse number three. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves. He was a reformer. Uh, he even removed his own mother from being queen because she had made an idol. And true reformation must begin in our hearts and in our homes. That's where it starts. And Asa was a man who was a reformer in his heart and in his home. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, verse number four, to pray and to walk before the Lord in holiness. Now maybe we could turn to chapter 15 just read a couple of verses there, chapter 15 and the verse number 12. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. I'm thinking of our own times of private prayer and Bible study. I'm thinking of the corporate time of prayer week by week. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. 
Imagine that. Whether small or great, whether man or woman, didn't make any difference. These people meant business. Now, is that the mindset that we have as we leave a year behind and come into a near new year? They meant business. Time is fleeting. I don't know how many years God will give me. I don't know whether I'll get through the next year. That's God's prerogative. But I know one thing. Time seems to be speeding up. The closer you get to the end. And we don't have many days left, young or old, for the Lord. God help us to mean business. Wednesday by Wednesday. Day by after day in the place of quiet servitude in study and in the Bible reading. Further, in, in verses 6 and 7, Asa built fence cities in Judah and encouraged them to build along with him. So we're told they built and prospered. God had given them rest, so they redeemed the time. And may we in this new year build up ourselves. Others will seek to tear us down. Satan will seek to tear us down. But may we be enabled by God to build up ourselves on our most holy faith in Bible study and prayer. And then Asa further built up his army. We read that in verse number 8. That's, that's quite an army, isn't it? 300,000, 280,000. Uh, that was quite a feat. And that was quite an army. But, brethren... We can prepare, and we must prepare. We can do all the right things, and all the right things we must do. But still, war comes. We cannot, as much as we try, we cannot avoid adversity. Great trouble at times. Out of the blue, Satan takes dead aim at the saints of God and hurls his fiery darts. Be sure of it. Perilous times, personally, collectively, will come to us all. I say that on the strength of what we read there in verse number 9. Just as soon as we read of that mighty army of Asa, here's another mighty army, a far mightier army, that came against them. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marisha. So one million army came out against the saints of the Lord. Out of the blue, he makes an appearance with all his soldiers. And you know, it doesn't matter how many times we go through these crises, or crises, I put that in the plural. It doesn't matter how many times we go through them. They leave us rocked. They leave us shocked. They leave us shaken. And we wonder, what's happening? What's taking place? Well, let us put it in context. God, who is in control of all things, he is giving us. Remember that hymn we just considered? He is giving us. We don't look at it like this very often. He's giving us an opportunity of proving him. 
and his faithful promises. That's precisely what he has done and what he will can do when he sends these fiery darts upon us. Of course, ultimately, Satan is the source of the fiery darts, but all that happens to us happens to us in the mind and the sovereign will of our God. Many of you will know that Thama recently was in a serious car crash through no fault of her own, just outside of Ballyclare. They say most accidents happen within nine miles of home. She was bumped off the road and hit a stone wall. And I can still see the wall in my mind's eye. And on the wall there's a sign there, Meeting House Lane. And she, she had a good aim because she essentially had that very sign, Meeting House Lane. And I thought about that. She almost met her maker there in that Meeting House Lane. Our only grandson was in the back seat and she saw what she thought was smoke rising up and scrambled out of the car to get uh, William. The car was a write-off. The airbags were deployed and I'm convinced were the means of sparing her serious injury. But she was shaken. And so was I when I got the phone call that Saturday morning. I took up the phone and began to speak, and as soon as I heard the first word, what's wrong? Oh dear, what's happened? I've had an accident. The car's written off, but I'm okay. Well, that's okay. The car can be replaced, but it's not so easy to replace a life. But it left us shaken. Now I say all this because it has been through this. Nothing happens by chance. It has been through this uh, that uh, two verses at this time were set before us in our own daily Bible reading. And I want to stress this. When trouble comes, don't be tempted. Well, if you are tempted, don't give in to the temptation to say, I can't read my Bible just yet. I've got too many demands now on my schedule. I can't read. The, the, the important thing is you must read. That's just the very time you need to read because that's the time God will give you a promise that you need to get through the trial. And that was very true in our own experience. And the two verses I'm referring to, 2 Chronicles 14, verse 11, and chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, these verses we will briefly consider now, I trust for your encouragement. Make them yours. And... Uh, Live on them, even throughout this incoming year. The first of these verses is Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. Asa cried. That was his first response. We can tell a lot about an individual by their first response or responses. And the first response of the king Asa was to cry unto the Lord. Now that tells me something, but there's a man of God. That's his first recourse in times of trouble. He cries. That's just the natural thing. There's nothing unholy about this or nothing extraordinary about this. This is just normal New Testament Christianity. God's people cry 
to God in times of trouble. Perhaps opposition, adversity, has come against you, dear child of God, personally, or in the home, in the workplace, in school, in university. Maybe you struggle with financial loss or financial debt. Perhaps you battle some mental depression. The mind is the area where Satan seeks to work his wicked works. In the area of the mind, God says, I give you a perfect peace, my peace. But uh, maybe some depression of soul has come, some bodily weakness, some disability, some great threat looms over your mind. Well, I would say this, and I don't say it lightly. Don't look at it in despair. Don't look at it in defeat. You look at what Asa did and you listen to what he said. First of all, what he did. Well, verse number 9. There came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian. Verse 10, then Asa went out. They came against him. He went out against them. And Asa went out against him and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathah and Meresha. So, see what he did. He didn't run. He didn't run away in fear. He went out against them. And child of God, I would encourage you not to go into retreat, to abort the mission. See this, rather, as an opportunity from God and an opportunity for God to work for you and that you might go on the offensive, go on the attack, go out against them. That's Zerah that has arrayed himself and his armies against you. Go out against them. Don't go into retreat. That's exactly what Satan wants us to do. The old man, he will give up every time. But the new man, his rallying cry is, I shall not die, but live and declare the wonderful works of God. God, see God in your situation. You look at those one million soldiers. God wants you to look at them, but to look at them through him. And so we are to see our situation through God. And God was called down into the fray. And the battle was set in array. That's what Asa essentially did. Our Zaras are not going to just walk away, you know. They mean business. They're out to destroy us. And we must meet them in the power and with the presence of the Lord. So I'm greatly encouraged by Asa in this time of great trouble. A huge host read out there in chapter 16. God acknowledges this. It was a huge host, one million. And this godly king went out, went out against them. And then listen to what Asa says and how he has said it. That's the part that gets me. Asa cried. There's intensity. There is a holy boldness. He wasn't just saying his prayers. He meant business. 
He cried unto the Lord his God, his covenant-keeping God, the God of the promise. We are thine. You didn't bear rule over them. You shed your blood for us. You promised to be ours, to deliver us. And we've promised to be thine. We now go against them. That's the cup. That's the thing. That's the, the great truth being expressed here. God has kept his covenant with us. We are to keep our covenant with him. And we must remind reverently, God would have us remind him of this covenant relationship that we enjoy with him and he enjoys with us. And so this man gets down by the floor of the Lord and cries out to him. He sheds, he comes and he just gives his whole heart to the Lord. Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. Nothing. But a drop in the bucket. What, what are these one million souls to thee? Help us, O Lord our God. In thy name we go against this multitude. Let not mortal man prevail against thee, the immortal God. Notice the holy arguments that he uses as he comes to the Lord in prayer. Let not these individuals prevail against thee. The cause, Lord, is thine. And if they prevail against us, they will boast that they prevailed against thee. That cannot be so. Surely that is a thing impossible. We rest not on our preparations. We don't rest on our army or on anything that has to do with us. Lord, we rest on thy pledge. We rest on thy power. And here's the climax. Lord, glorify thine own great and glorious name. Now he's pleading prevailingly with God. Lord, glorify thine own great and glorious name. The cause is thine. It's not our cause. The cause, Lord, is thine. Now here is true prevailing prayer. Dear Christian, that sanctified trouble that has been sent of God, you must realize that, it's been sent ultimately of God, has come to help you. You say, what? A million souls seeking to destroy me, and you're saying God has sent them to help you? Yeah. This is precisely what we're saying. Not to hinder you, but to help you prevail with God. Ultimately. Yes, you'll prevail against the army, but ultimately that you might prevail with God. That you might prove his gracious promises to be true. To glorify God. So that you can affirm, I have proved God. I've gone through an experience that could have killed me, body, mind, or soul. And by the grace of God, I have proved God is who he has said he is in his word. I have proved this precious promise. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he had a large army, and that brought trouble. And there was one man in particular who had sought to do what he should do, what he could do, in the work of God. But he saw essentially no souls saved. 
And this greatly troubled them. And they wrote to, to William Booth and essentially said, what, 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 what can I do? William Booth was a very busy man and uh, he took time to, to write out two words and send it by a telegram, just two words. This was the message. Try tears. Try tears. And those words struck that man in his heart and he got down before God, wept his soul out before the Lord. God heard him. Try tears. Asa cried unto the Lord. And if God gives you the ability to cry a tear or two, shed a tear or two in this new year, that's from the Lord. That's precious. That's great. Never be ashamed of that. Whether it's in the public prayer meeting. There's something wrong with us if we can't cry spiritually. God is looking. He's listening, but he's looking too. For those tears, as it were, that heart that yearns after him. So, the cry. Uh, may the Lord help us to do much crying as we've come essentially into a new year. Then secondly, we want to go on to consider not only the crying, but the relying. Verse number 8 of chapter 16 of Second Chronicles. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because that is rely on the Lord he delivered them into thy hand. Now, an important part of relying is crying. But we emphasize here that we must live, we must pray in faith. It is faith, the, the prayer of faith ultimately, that gains the victory that gives the answer. And what a trial of faith when we are assaulted by an intense battle, some great storm. But God would have us rely. God would have us lean upon him as we pass through the trial. And we are going to pass through this trial. It's not endless. There's an end to the trial. But as we pass through it, God would have us lean on him. I was asked at the last prayer meeting if I had received, we've got our new vehicle yet. Well, I had to say, no, we, we don't. Uh, this is a busy time over Christmas and New Year. And uh, so it's a long, it seems to be drawn out process. But we're seeking to take little steps of faith along the way. And we'll get there with the Lord's help in the end. Now, God takes, I want you to get this, God takes this matter of relying on him very, very seriously. Now think about this. Distrusting him. Distrusting his promise. God has said this and we don't believe it. We wouldn't say that. But that's how we act and live. Can you imagine how your child would feel if they said to you, you've given me a promise but I don't believe it. I don't believe you'll... Deliver. Wouldn't we be hurt? We would be. And God takes very seriously this, this matter of relying on him. Distrusting his promise. It disturbs him greatly. And there is something worse than a lack of devotion. I'll tell you what it is. It's a lack of faith. That so often causes that lack of devotion. 
unbelief that troubles the best of the saints of God. Above all else, God will have us take, take into hand, as it were, the shield of faith. And to fully, not partially, but fully rely on him. And putting our confidence in him, in his word, in his promise, highly honors him. He's made an arrangement with us in this covenant of grace. He has pledged to do certain things. And in return, we pledge certain things unto him. And this matter of relying upon the Lord, what does it do? Well, it engages the hand of God, the hand that is a present, powerful help. And he estimates it to be very, very precious. You notice in the Old New Testament how many times God remarked either on their faith or their unbelief. God was looking on this particular matter. And so it causes him to run to the aid of his people. Didn't we read that? In verse 9 of chapter 16, Satan walks, we're told, but the eyes of the Lord, they run to the defense of his people that are leaning on his promise. Leaning on thy promise, we go. Since my stroke, I can hardly believe it, it's been nearly, in fact, it's been over four years. And by the grace of God, I can say, without any exaggeration, God is still touching me. As I'm leaning on the promise, as I'm faithful to plead the promise, I'm still pleading it. God delights still to answer it. That's how he works. But I find myself leaning to the left. I hope I'm not doing it this morning. Uh, I just noticed this not long ago. I, I'm leaning to the left on what is now the stronger side. When I walk down the street, I found myself putting out a hand as I pass by that car to lean on it. And I'm hoping somebody doesn't roll down the window and say, get your dirty hands off my car. But I, I'm leaning upon it as I go. Now, let me spiritualize that, if you would. Use a little sanctified imagination. That car, as I, as I lean on it, it says to me, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I lean on that pole up there. And uh, that pole says to me, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Further, I lean on that concrete wall up there. And that speaks to me and tells me, with God, you and God in partnership, with God, not in isolation, God not in isolation, you not in isolation, with God, I can do all things, for he it is that strengtheneth me. With God, all things are possible. On that lampshade up there, is the verse that comes to me, is this. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What am I doing here? I'm turning every situation, as it were, every problem into a promise. Lean on that promise. Don't give up. And you say, I'm going to lean on this promise. I'm going to lean 
until this promise is mine in my own experience. It's just not going to stay there on that page. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to find it to be true. Blessed be the Lord. The eyes of the Lord. Zechariah speaks of seven eyes. Number seven is perfection. And these eyes of God speak of his perfect perception. He knows, he sees everything. He knows things about you and I will we'll probably never know. But he knows everything. And those eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God's providence, his power, this is something that we miss, I think, as God's people. Even the little things, especially the little things of the day. They happen because of a God who works providentially, practically in our hearts and lives. And we can say, that, well, that's the hand of God. We miss so much of God in our Bible reading, but in the realm of providence. That, that was no coincidence. That was the hand of God, sure as I'm here. And so God is, is, is one who works universally throughout the whole earth, speedily, to show himself strong on behalf of them who trust in him, who rely upon him. God's not reluctant to help. God's ready. He stands ready for those who are leaning upon him, leaning upon his promise. Now here's the crux, and with this I'll surely be finished soon. Here's the crux of the matter. Do you really believe it? Those promises we just said before you there a few moments ago, you know them well. I know them well. Do you believe it? You say, well, that's surely not an appropriate question for a believer. Oh, yes, it's very appropriate. You know it, and I know it, and God knows it. And God would have us face up to. God will have us to, to be realistic where we are in our faith. And I want to ask you today, do you believe it? Or in the coming year when you're going through some trial, that's the time then, the question will come of God, well, do you believe it? I've said I'll do this. Well, do you believe it? We read of the powerlessness of the disciples in the New Testament. Why? Very simply, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And God will come to you and he says, now, now, you're, you're in this trial. This has happened. It's shaken you. It's rocked you. And I'm wondering, what about the promise now? Do you believe it? Well, Lord, you do something, and I'll, I'll believe it. No. No, you believe, and then I'll do something. That's how God works. You believe, and then you'll see me act. And you won't see me act until you believe. It's just that simple. And God would have us to be realistic. Do we believe the promise you and I better believe it. Because God says he will deliver us if we rely upon him. Whether it was a host of angels or whatever else means God pleased to use, we don't know. But he decimated that army of one million men. And I don't know how God will deal with the seeming impossibilities in your life this year. 
I don't know. But this I do know. That he will do it. If you cry to him and keep on crying. If you rely upon him and keep on relying. Those seeming impossibilities. God can remove them another way. So they were nothing. Just with the word of his. By some means or another. God delights to come to the aid of his leaning, believing people. My prayer is, brethren, I preach to myself, that for his glory, for his glory, we might be enabled to do so. Believe, and thou shalt receive. What a wonderful book it is, a book full of promises. Make it your desire this year. Don't let that promise lie on that page a second, a day longer. Take it to yourself. Apply it to yourself. Appropriate it to yourself. Make that promise yours until it is yours by your own blessed experience. May God help us for his glory to take his word and rest upon it. Well, we'll just pause for prayer.